Welcome to The Dog Days, episode 11, where in this episode we are joined by relationships and self-esteem coach Rory Stewart. Uh, in this episode we cover a whole raft of things um, from cheating to dealing with your own self-esteem to dealing with a relationship in itself and any toxic traits that you might be living through as a couple. Um, listen up, this one's really interesting. I hope you enjoy it. This is The Dog Days with Ollie Scott, Junior Eldstar and Ian McKenzie. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of The Dog Days, uh, where in this episode we are joined by relationships and self-esteem coach uh, Rory Stewart. Rory, hello. How are you, Thanks mate? Cool. Thanks for having welcome me. Welcome to The Dog Days. Oh, I'm good. back. I'm back as Pooch well. Back. Oh, yeah, back. sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. been so long. <laughs> Pooch is back. He's, uh, he's gone and got a load of money and investment, and he's a billionaire now, which is fantastic news. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his massive cigar and a pint of ale on his desk, bizarrely. Rory, what happened this weekend? <laughs> oh, I don't think I did. Uh, no, I don't know. BJJ competition, so it was my first one, and I got squashed. I got absolutely flattened by this big heavy guy. What um, is just for just for me and probably everybody else in the world? What is BJJ? So well? Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's wow. kind of like the grappling aspect of mixed martial arts, but it's uh, the more traditional side. Of it. They're wearing the kimonos, the geese. Wow. So both both opponents start standing, and then you start you take it to the ground, and then it's submissions. Submissions are points oriented, like so. And that's how it works. That's how it works. For anyone that can't see, we're not, we're not filming this time, but this is an audio. If you can't see Rory, he is about six foot ten and three foot wide, so I, <laughs> I can imagine your that. opponent's probably similarly sized. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like short, stocky, but it was like I don't know, maybe sixteen and a half, seventeen stone, like so. Wow, okay. yeah. that was good. Uh, well, congrats, mate! Congrats yeah, for thanks the win. Very much, hey. Thanks for joining us, mate. So look, I mean, we're we're really happy to have you on. I think, um, in fact, the last time we were chatting, Pooch in and I, uh, Pooch, is, sorry, Junior or Pooch, for anyone that's yeah, listening, just, um, just was was actually going to angle for his own girlfriend, um, and he was gonna he was gonna win for a lady. And I believe this Sunday might have gone quite well. What happened this weekend, Pooch? Just had a lovely, lovely weekend, mate. Away, went yeah. to a place called Harp Tree in. Um, Gloucestershire, yeah, yeah thing. Yeah, it was lovely. Are you in a relationship now? No, I wouldn't say that. Taking oh, it very slow oh, and taking right, it, okay. taking it easy. Well, I'm glad I didn't mention that. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're taking it slow. There's no, okay. there's no, we find there's no point rushing things, and you know we're seeing how things go. Nice, amazing. Yeah. Well, look, I mean that's one out of three of us that have managed to get a girl that's remotely interested in them. So what well on, mate? Um, <laughs> there are so many things, so many things I could. Well, I guess we can all learn. You know, I've been in. in an eight-year relationship myself, Ian, you know, the same as you and, and obviously same as Pooch. So you've dabbled in women. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're really excited to take it, you know, I guess to learn about where you've come from, to learn a bit more about um, what we can learn about relationships. I think I looked into some of the, um, the recent podcasts that you've done um, recently and it's it's really interesting how you speak about toxicity in relationships oh, and, sure, and how yeah. to move around that kind of stuff and a word that's coming up in every one of our podcasts at the moment, which is vulnerability. Yeah. Um, but before we get into relationships, I want to hear a bit more about where you've come from and I guess where it all started for you because I'm sure everyone else can tell by the accent, it didn't start in London, did it? No, uh, Derry actually, I'm from Northern Ireland originally, like, so basically my own background, I kind of started with psychology initially, um, I was really heavily into like sports and stuff and then from that I ended up kind of in a shit relationship, I kind of felt like I was becoming a care for this person's mental health and that kind of a few ways kind of led me on the more mental health studies. I ended up learning cognitive behavioral therapy. And then from that, I done a lot of volunteering. Um, and then I second myself and I did some time after the relationship went tits up and it had affected my own mental health. Mm. I knew I needed some time to myself. And I had met Lisa then. That was kind of a big turning point for me because I could see it was like night and day in the two relationships in terms of how I felt and how I was being treated. 
Um, so from then on, I kind of pursued personal training, moved abroad. It's but like a male eat, pray, love moment. I was like in <laughs> Thailand, Dubai, and you were in um, Thailand. I was living in Thailand for nine months, and oh. then or no, six months, and I was in Dubai for the best part of a year. So oh. it was when I was living abroad, I started entertaining the family therapy, couples therapy. Um, I got trained on that, and I think at that point in time. I needed it myself just to kind of become aware of my own kind of shit and the conditioning that was affecting mm. how I was coping with other people. So it's not just specifically relationships. It could be your friendships. It could be with your family. So that was all pretty full on. Um, and since that, I started working with people online and it's just exploded then from then. Wow. So it's been good that way. And when, when you started in um, sort of family therapy, is that is that a whole family or is that just a couple Within. So the model that I, that I got trained in, it's specifically mm. for individuals, couples, and families, but right. it's utilizing uh, like family therapy techniques okay. because one thing that we all have in common is we all originate from a family. Yeah. Do you know, but your family and Ollie's family could be completely different. Mm. Do you know, in terms of the environment, in terms of how people behaved, how people coped, even your parents' relationship and how that played out unconsciously can impact on your decision making going on down all the relationship and how you choose to cope you mightn't even be consciously aware of it but you could be playing out aspects of your parents relationship with your partner right you know people kind of get hung up on this idea of i'm going out with someone who looks like my mother who looks like my father <laughs> but it's not that's more kind of the unconscious traits mm. of maybe the parents do you know and you might yeah, be yeah, coping yeah. in a way similar like say your father maybe always concedes to your mother for an easy life yeah and yet you're in a relationship where maybe your partner's always calling the shots. Yeah. You don't sit and go, fuck, I've turned on the media. <laughs> Maybe you have, you know, this yeah, is the yeah. thing. So it's about looking at that conditioning and then obviously work on the changes. And so is that is that tied in with, that, that particular therapy, is that tied in with the CBT that you've... Um, I've kind of moved a lot away from CBT now. Um, what I like about this model, it's there's a, a big emphasis on becoming more of who you are becoming more fully human, being more authentic, more congruent. Congruent's a term they would use in therapy for being who you really are. You know, what you think, see, feel, and hear. Mm. What's going on internally, you know, you allow yourself to rock the boat. You're not worried about other people's perceptions or them giving you permission to be. Right. You just be who you are. How do you uncover what you are? How, what's the process when you start with a new client then? How do you help them discover? Oh, I just go through everything with them systemically. Like, So I'll look at the family. I'll look at maybe how, the, how it was for them growing up. I'll mm. look at maybe expectations they felt were placed on them to be a certain way, um, to live up to the expectations of their parents, that they feel like they had expectations of people around them that's maybe impacting on them. Um, I'll look at maybe family rules that's maybe impacting on their quality of life. Like So if you're a people pleaser, for example, you might have a belief or a rule that you can't tell people no or you can't let people down or you should always see to everybody else before yourself. So there's like layers and layers of conditioning that has to be looked at and changed. Um, for that person they feel more in control yeah. you know <clears throat> people tend to sometimes look at things in a black and white way a very rigid way mm-hmm. when in reality like you are in control of your life I think we lose sight of that and we hand power over in relationships even within our own families mm. you know like I've worked with adults that are in their 40s that are still scared of what their parents think external influence isn't it uh, yeah. you still like you have your own children now but you're still worried about what like your mother's going to scold you from yeah, making a decision. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's still that parent-child relationship. Like, Do you so, see a lot of sim- similarities, sorry? Do you see a lot of similarities with the people you work with and their, their issues? Or is every kind of client you work with completely complex and different? Or are there a lot of similarities? There's a lot of, there can be a lot of overlaps for sure. But I mean, everybody's going to have a unique case. 
you know, but it depends maybe on the context of what's happening. Do you know what I'm saying? So like at the moment I'm working with a lot of people that are coming out of toxic relationships. Like it's more the heavier end of it. So abusive relationships, there could be a lot of emotional abuse, physical abuse, there could be sexually coercive behavior, there could be violence. Um, digital abuse, you know, it's a big spectrum. And for me, it's very important with my work that I put a lot of information out there. Mm. Because, you know, when you're growing up, nobody really sits you down and goes, you shouldn't no. put up with this. You know, you just, it's just kind of taken for common sense. But common sense isn't common practice. Yeah. You know, and if you have this idea, like you've all been on Instagram, you've probably seen people posting up quotes, oh, love's like a war and love's like a struggle and you should yeah, go yeah, and yeah, fight. Yeah. Fuck that. You know, you yeah. should actually be happy in your relationship. Yeah, you cool. shouldn't feel fucking miserable, you know? <laughs> what's, the, what's the traditional case for you then? So when somebody comes in... Is, is it always a couple or is it an individual? How does it Primarily work? individuals at the right. moment. I have worked with couples, but being online, it's nearly always individuals now. Um, so it could be somebody in a relationship trying to create a change. It could be somebody in a relationship that's overwhelmed, that's mm. maybe anxious, depressed, and maybe unaware of what is impacting on their well-being. Now, it's not always linked to the partner. It's not always linked to the relationship, but you're... Your relationships and your support network form a big part of your wellness. Mm. So if your relationships massively impacted on your self-esteem and your self-worth, you mightn't put two and two together straight away. Mm. You just know that you don't feel right and you don't know why. Mm. You know what I mean? Have so, you, have you like, had, had a, obviously you have couples coming in. Has there ever been a time where you felt like someone, the other partner's obviously been a bit submissive in regards 100%, to... 100%, yeah. 100%. There's usually one person in like therapy terms, they'll call it like a one up and a one down. So one person's got a lot of the power and the other person's in a one down position with their hand and their power over. Yeah, yeah. So in order for that relationship to come into balance, the person that's in a one up has to relinquish some power and help the other person get up and be treated like an equal. Mm. And that can become very difficult if the other person doesn't want to engage yeah. or if they're totally dismissive. So in that kind of situation, then you again have to focus on the person who wants to create the change, who wants to be yeah. helped. And if that's the person on the one down, you need to work on their self-esteem, their confidence, having boundaries, yeah. and recognizing how damaging the actual relationship is as it currently stands. You know? Yeah, so I know you talk, obviously you talk a lot about self-esteem as one of your main advocates and stuff. And I think a lot of people in relationships forget that self-love comes first before anything, right? Uh, well, you have to kind of come to a place of, when you show up for yourself, right, mm -hmm. You're not afraid to be in your own, you know, and you'll put up with less bullshit in your relationship. You know, if you're starting to get treated in a bad way, you're not going to be afraid to leave. You know, you're going to show that there's a consequence to this behavior. Mm. Whereas for a lot of us, like if I'm at a place where I'm not totally secure in myself and I meet somebody and I'm fucking totally head over heels and I'm like, I can't believe I'm with this person and I mm. attach my self-esteem to them. Well, then in time that could come, become a negative, you know, because if I do something that rocks the boat or this person no longer... What's the word I'm looking for? If this person's behavior is starting to impact on my wellness, I'm never going to leave because I attach a lot of my value in myself to being in a relationship with this yeah, person. Of I'd love to chat about this in a bit of detail because I, I mean, I'm sure all of us know people that have, um, there's, a, there's that theory, right, where it's like if you're 20% and you meet somebody that fills you, fills you up by another 30, it will feel like it's 100% and, and it's all, you're always quite distorted. What do you do? So you, you're, you have low self-esteem, you suddenly meet somebody and they make you feel amazing. But deep down you know that it's because they're making you feel better and it's not you that's made you feel better. What do you do now you're in the relationship? How do you kind of win yourself back? See, I don't think any of us really sit and go, we've got low self-esteem. I don't no, think no, any no, of us no. when we're in a relationship start to think in that way. We're just like, oh, fuck, this person makes me feel really good. Yeah. Mm. You know, and we cling to them and maybe we feel validated by having this person. But then again, it's about taking a step back and looking at how this person's behaving and how I'm behaving and how that's impacting and how I'm feeling. Mm. Like if you're going out with somebody... 
I'd say they're really, really attractive or very sociable. Um, and you're drawn to that kind of characteristic trait. Or maybe they're mm. very confident and headstrong. You know, flip that in its head. They might also be a ball buster. They might be putting you down. Mm. They might be always calling the shots. Mm. A lot of your needs are forgotten about. Or say maybe when you go out, they're constantly flirting with people. They're constantly making you feel insecure. Cool. You know, you don't think about that when you're initially mm. yeah. infatuated because it's like a form of infatuation when you start going out with somebody you can't see. It's like love goggles. You can't see all the bad shit at the start because yeah. you're like... Oh, she's so good. I know, I had that. such a good person. Like, <laughs> yeah. I had that personally as well. Like, I remember when I obviously broke up from my ex, who I'm trying to get back now. Um, but I had that first, like, realisation of, firstly, guilt. So I had guilt because I, I messed up. And then um, it was, the like, I had that thing of this, something hit me of, like, oh, I really need her in my life. Like, mm. what am I without her? Yeah. And I had that thing to cling on to. But then actually... Because she obviously took a step back and said, look, just I need my space, like respect me, you have your space. I had a whole year of just refining myself and loving myself and, you know, getting my diet right, getting my mind right, getting my thing right. And then now we're in a place where we've had a year apart and we've both, you know, discovered self-love evidently and the relationship is 20 times better than what it was before. And, you know, I think before we sort of clung on to each other, like you said, you mm. mentioned about the cup being half full, half empty, blah, blah, blah. And now we're both in a place where we feel anyway that both our cups are, right we can both stand on our own. And it's just whatever goes over the cup now, it also almost overfills. Mm. So it's just a good... Um, for, a good my perspective with that, yeah. I, I, my last girlfriend, I think what I, a big mistake I did was when... When I kind of first saw her, she was a really, really beautiful and I loved this idea. For some reason in my head, I'm not going to lie, it was just like, oh, my girlfriend's really, really hot and I mm. liked that feeling. So when people be like, oh, mate, your girlfriend's really fit and it, and I don't know what it was. It was I was quite proud of that. Yeah. But, validation. But it was like validation because I think I grew up having low self-esteem with my, with my own looks that when I was able to finally get this girl that seemed beautiful... Mm. But then it was like, I was like, no, she's also a really nice person though. Mm. But then deep down, I kind of knew like, mm. actually, maybe she's not really yeah. that nice. Yeah. And that's what happens then. That becomes the, the, the payoff then for the relationship. You're like, I'll put up with this shit because of how, how I feel in myself having this person around me. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. socially as well. I think there's something to be said around people just remaining in relationships because it's the social norm. And it's particularly even tougher when... Um, you reach 30, 31, 32, you know, again, yeah. particularly for women, the biological clock is, is ticking as well, which I think is such a scary thing for, for them in particular. You, I definitely think you make sacrifices to what you would deem as the ideal person. Yeah. How do you, how do you, or how would you advise you work out somebody as quickly as possible? Because I can imagine we've got someone listening that's 31 and thinking about settling down. How do you work it out? it's personally personal thing yeah. do you know what I mean I mean if, like I've worked with people before and they're like oh, I'm not married and I'm not I haven't got a kid I haven't got a house and I'm like do you fucking want any of them things do you, do you personally <laughs> want them line. no but you know what it's like and I'm like hey, where are you and yourself you know yeah. what do you actually want you know are you, are you rushing to get a relationship or mm. do you want something that's going to add to your quality of life mm. you know do you actually want a fucking house are you more worried about Mary up the street you know, mm. do you want to be seen to be a, a successful individual that has a house, that has married, that has kids? Is any of them things going to make you happier mm. or more fulfilled? And if not, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to let that go? Where's that stemming from? Is it coming from you, your family, your peers? Mm. You know, are you living a life that's true to you? This is the main thing. 
I mean, if you don't want children or if you don't want to be married or if you're not looking for that traditional thing, why are you putting that pressure on yourself? Why are you feeling that so bad that you don't measure up in that respect? Are you happy with your quality of life? Mm. You know, that's all things that people need mm. to look at. And if you're one of these people then that's feeling under pressure to meet these expectations, at least know that they're true for you. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And again, that whole idea of convenience and comfortability and settling, you know, how is that going to affect you long term? Are you settling for somebody because it's just comfortable and you don't think you can get anybody else? Because again, that comes back to your self-esteem. Mm. Yeah. Um, or maybe have you bought on their relationship because there's maybe financial security? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, there's loads and loads of different elements as to why somebody might just go, Do you know what? Fuck it, you know, Mickey's not that not bad. Well. Yeah, like, are you sure? Are you actually happy? It's that social pressure, though, isn't there? Like, yeah. you know, social pressure of you know, getting married before you're 30. And I, I know a lot of my friends, you know, they settle because they almost after they settle, there's more pressure then on the relationship. I think and more a lot pressure of it's kind of like even the fear of having they date at 30 or 40, even like, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, but then. The way I kind of look at it as well, you could end up settling at 30, knowing in your heart it's not really the right relationship no, and it's okay. just fuck it and then at 35 being divorced and you're back to square one anyway. Yes, yeah. when people or, say that, oh, why don't you have kids? Or, yeah. why, you know, why are you not married? Fuck, I'm only 27, mate. Yeah. People ask you that. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah, some people have no filter at all yeah, and they're yeah. just like straight in and you're kind of like, fucking project that shit onto me. I'm good, like I'm good yeah, right yeah. now. You chill the fuck but out. The same, okay, the same thing is if you're out with someone that's drinking and you're not for that night and they're like, oh, oh, go and sure. have a drink, have a drink. Go on, go on, <laughs> have a glass of wine. Kill me. That's like, you, Ollie, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, the same the same thing applies. The same thing is like, pooch, don't eat meat. You know, we've all got bellends. So, you know, when you meet someone that's had a kid in your particular instance they've, they've had a kid and mm. all they want because they're probably looking at their Instagram or looking at their kind of social media and they're probably seeing like you having loads of fun or you going out and being like oh I'm stuck here it's lovely that I've got my child but yeah. I want my friends to be in a similar situation to me it's that whole keeping up with the Joneses shit yes. again too but I mean you could, you could chat all day about social media and you can talk about like all other people's lives and stuff but again it's bringing it back to the actual person in question mm. you know, are you fucking happy with your life then again, there's people that are totally, that's their entire ambition is having a family and that's yeah, fucking sweet. Mm. But I mean, for you, if you're settling because this is all that you've known and that you're afraid of leaving, even though you know it's not 100% for you, mm. well, then you know what has to change. You know, if you don't, if you don't put yourself out there and you don't recognize that you deserve more, you want more, then staying, you're just kind of capping the potential for that relationship because you know that maybe that person might never ever grow as a person you might actually be less of who you are by staying with them yeah. because it's just convenient you know what, what are your thoughts on um, cheating people that I've come across in my life have said it, it doesn't matter how um, much you love somebody you can love other people at the same time mm. right so there's this theory and it's like if I'm married and I, and I cheat on my wife and, and she doesn't find out about it it's not bad, and what she doesn't know doesn't hurt her. Or if I cheat on my husband. Or, yeah, husband. or vice versa. I'm just going from a, from a bloke's perspective because I'm a bloke. But what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and can you love somebody, as, uh, sorry, love somebody and then cheat on her as well? Or is that demonstrative of your connection to your partner? Right. Well, I'll bring it back to you in this situation, right? If you're in a relationship and you were on the receiving end of the person cheating and they give you that conversation you just gave me, how would that float with you? Terribly. Right. So, taking that aside, the first thing you would be looking at in that situation is mm. what need was that person trying to meet that they stepped out of the relationship in the first place? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So, 
like there's so many different reasons people get involved with cheating. Mm. You know, there could be and a fairly satisfying relationship, but there might be something driving that behavior. Like, you know, I'm sure you're aware of like toxic masculinity. Now mm. it's not just gender specific to men. Like women cheat as well. People tend to think of cheating, they automatically think of men. Mm. But if you maybe felt that a certain need was denied when you were growing up, or maybe there's some sort of fantasy that's that's not being met in your life. Mm. You know, like Esther Perel talks about it a lot. Um, that person is exploring an aspect of themselves. You know what I mean? And I know it sounds very kind of wishy-washy, like I'm kind of not condoning the behavior, but mm. that person is doing that for some reason. You know what I mean? Whether it's they feel validated as a man, they feel validated sexually, they take back some sort of control in their life the risk-taking element, mm. the actual excitement that comes from that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that isn't actually reflective of the relationship. Do you think there's any areas from our childhood that, that might then lead to us cheating or someone becoming more of a... I suppose the family of origin. You could look at the family mm. of origin. Like, you know, mm. if you had maybe a narcissistic parent or if you maybe had somebody that, as a role model, maybe there was infidelity in the marriage, you know, you don't know how that would impact on your perspe- perception of, rel- of mm. relationships. Even at that, your peer group, the people mm. that you surround yourself with, if you're around people like that quite a lot Message. and that's being encouraged, and again, bringing it back to toxic masculinity, the whole conquest of putting women down, the sexual gratification, mm. the dominance, the mm. fucking Mickey Big Dick being seen as the, the man running mm. around doing whatever, mm. that can all feed under the ego and feed under the person's need to stand out and feel validated. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's so true when you, you say about, it's about people you hang around with and stuff, because obviously I was in sport and stuff and there's that... That thing, you know, footballers are, mm. you know, all arseholes. Culture, but in the time I played football, a lot of the time, sorry to say, is, you know, when the footballers and stuff go out and we go to away games and stuff, mm. I've seen a lot of like, married men cheat. Oh, for sure. You know, like sure. a lot, a lot. And I, I don't know what it is. I think. Even, but I don't think it's just football. Like, I think generally in society, mm. sadly, I, I, my belief system shows that I think more people cheat than don't. Yeah. That's, that's just from my experiences and, in life yeah I think um, it's interesting that you say obviously I think when, when it comes to cheating a lot, of, like, a lot of people when it happens are so quick to be like you fucking arsehole blah 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 but when you actually stream it down everyone has a reason for why they've done it I think that's very interesting why you said because ev- everyone has different reasons of it could be that level of self-awareness might yeah. even be there yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying like Esther Perel used an example in one of her talks where she was saying this woman was married had a really fucking happy family nice house high achieving partner not that that matters mm. but growing up she was like 16, 17 went straight on their relationship got married had kids and felt denied that sexual exploration felt mm. denied that idea of exploring who she is mm. with partners and so started on a fairware gardener even though she knew she could lose everything that she had and she couldn't break this relationship off because again it was that need that she was meeting but the thing is, it's hard not to take that personally when you're the partner that's been cheated on. Of course. Yeah. Because you then become, it's personalized, and you're like, well, what about me wasn't enough that you felt you had to do this? Right. So in that, in that sense, she kind of argues that it's more exploration of the self and that idea. So how, how do you, does so, that, sorry, does that mean the partner wasn't right for her then, would you say in that instance? But then again, hey, you know, that's their relationship, and that is obviously an issue within her, mm. not within him. Mm-hmm. What, what are the steps mm-hmm. then so let's say there are two people that are deeply in love with each other and the other person has whatever he's got drunk and he's cheated on his girlfriend she finds out he's distraught he's crying and he says I love you I'd please like forgive me she wants to forgive him but has this deep hurt in her 
How, what are the steps that that couple need to take now to recover from this blow? It just depends. Hey, I think in that case, there needs to be truth, openness, honesty, vulnerability, and total transparency. Okay. There has to be an effort made to acknowledge the hurt and they make amends. So there has to be some form of emotional reparation. Um, and there's a massive emphasis that has to be focused on rebuilding trust. Mm. Now, the other thing is, some people might never actually move past infidelity. Do you know what I mean? That hurt can fucking cr completely cripple them. Yeah, they can be semi-traumatized by it. So a lot of it then becomes on the effort of the person that has done the cheating. They have to rebuild that trust. They mm. have to see to that hurt. And whatever need that the partner has in order for that to happen, that has to obviously take place. Mm. But it's in, sorry, it's interesting you say that because I think it could end up going, you could end up doing everything you could end up creating a toxic relationship by just serving that partner. And because you've done that to them, I think you could end up just being overgiving and exactly. just losing yourself. Exactly, but it can't, be, it, can't be a, all time. it can't become a point scoring system. Like every time you've done something, this is coming up because then that person again hasn't totally moved past that behavior. Mm. But this is the whole, oh shit. <laughs> this is the whole, the whole thing about the, the honesty and the transparency. Like, I mean, if I, if I am on date naps, and I'm constantly hiding my phone on my laptop, yeah. and this behavior is showing itself again, then I'm not being transparent, and I'm not making any effort to make amends, and this person has rightfully a reason to be suspicious and to be annoyed. But if it's a case of like a year down the line, two years down the line, and mm -hmm. this infidelity is still coming up, that hurt still hasn't been dealt with, mm -hmm. and you're going above and beyond to try and make this work, well, in that case then, you have to weigh it up, how the relationship's impacting on mm -hmm. you, on the two of you. Because obviously the hurt's still very raw for that person as well. Yeah. Um, what do you just on the phone thing? Because I think it's oh, yeah. um, it's definitely oh, on everyone's yeah. mind. Well, I've in my last relationship we we had an open phone policy. Um, whereas I, you know, if change a song on my, you know, whilst driving in the car, whatever, I trust her that she wouldn't find anything on that phone unless she went into one of the WhatsApp groups that I was in where there'd be lots of photos flying around. But she knew the the nature of my my group and that. My friends are idiots, as am I. That would just send stupid images in. What's your What's your policy on on the? Well, I don't lock my phone. You don't lock no. your phone. Lisa doesn't lock her phone either. Like, okay. I mean, I've nothing on there that I have to hate. Is it wrong then? So we because that's very good. You guys have an admirable relationship. Is it wrong for a boyfriend to be like, no, no, no? It's just my rule that you do not open my phone. You see, that's kind of where you're starting to blur lines because part of me wants to say you should have total autonomy of your stuff mm. and like your your personal belongings because mm. again if you look at a, an emotionally abusive relationship somebody demanding access to your private intimate material would be considered abusive especially if it's not reciprocal but in this context it's totally reciprocal with me and Lisa like I'll be like there's my phone you right, know, yeah. there's nothing on there I don't want her to see um, again if it was only one way then I'd be looking at that going, what the fuck she trying to hide? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it comes down to how that's established in the relationship. Mm. And again, if you're doing something, you know you shouldn't be fucking doing. That's already a warning sign for itself. Yeah. It's you almost I mean? more stressful to have stuff on your phone. It's like, you know, when you're, you see your girlfriend, like you say, going through like your songs and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, what's she going to find? What's she going to find? <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you're honest about things and there's nothing on there, she, you know. I never had anything to hide. I just hated the idea of, I don't like anyone going on my phone. Mm. I don't know why. I think it's like, I'm just more self-conscious of what could be on there. Like I said bef before, like I do have loads of photos and videos. I've got like 10,000, but I don't know what they are. It's yeah, just yeah. like my WhatsApp. You've got, you got the auto say. Well, one it's, of just, my it's just like the idea of if my ex would see there's a picture of a naked like lady on yeah, there. I, know, like, I, mean, I just yeah. can't be asked for that, for that conversation. conversation. Mm. Can you not I'm, just be like, look, 
I, but that isn't that something where it's like I wouldn't let you on my phone if I was hiding something. Can't you always just come I'd back to that? Flip it in the head if you were on this person's phone and you seen something, you'd be kind of yeah, like a naked lad. Yeah. Well, one, one, <laughs> well, one of my mates had uh, his missus went through his phone quite recently actually, and he called me. He's like, "Fuck, I don't know what to do." And there's like a group chat with the boys, and he's just, he's basically said in the group. I'd love to bang her. Mm. And it was about someone that she knew. Mm. And then she's obviously gone, oh, so you want to you wanna bang her, do you? I'm like, well, why have you never told me this? Probably. And he's like, no, I was just in the, you know, in the group chat. It's just but again, that. that's yeah. playing up that idea of I have to be seen in a certain way. Yeah. 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 Sure, I mean? yeah. So if yeah. she was standing like, if she was standing with her mates and you get roughly in the wall and you heard her saying that about a fellow that you knew, now, yeah. I'm not I'm talking about a celebrity. <laughs> I'm talking about somebody that you knew personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be like, Fuck, like, yeah, that'd be it's very that. different, isn't it? When they say about celebrities, it's, it's fine, but it's like, like, oh, fucking, I'd love to shout Gary from work. You what? What do you mean? Like, that's not <laughs> David Beckham because you know, that's because a reality. Then it's becoming you're actually in that place where you're like, I know that person and yeah, you can't get it out of your head. Like, I could imagine it. Fuck, yeah, like, the, the WhatsApp thing's interesting because we are dealing with this as it's coming, you know, it's only been around for 11 years or whatever or 10, but like, what's that? Well, I don't know, what's the, the iPhone's been around for 11 years, it's not really a point I want to stay on, yeah. but mm. the. The, what I was trying to say is it's almost like it's um, your internal monologue is on your phone now it's like that's a part of your brain mm. so you say shit you know that you don't really mean and it comes out of your brain or you're trying to fit into a group or you're trying to be formal at work it, it's not really a true representation of what you would say considerately to your girlfriend so my, my argument is I do implore privacy on a phone I, th I think I would be much more um, validating to privacy on the phone now because I know that that's not all fully me and I'm then a, that's about you fully stepping into who you are. And yeah. If that's not a part of who you are, then are you playing up to an idea of how you want to be seen? Oh, he's got a good point. Because yeah, I think day, we like, all, we I all could be do on WhatsApp groups, right? And people could be sending on photos of fucking tits or whatever it is. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I need to go, oh, she's some set of cans on her. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> everybody else could be saying that. Yeah. And that's that fucking lad bullshit. Like, yeah. I mean, if that's going on and I'm playing up to that idea, then I have to accept that on some level, I'm putting myself out there as that kind of person. Yeah. Now, whether or not that's the case, if she was to go on my phone, I know she would be fucking happy mm. with it. Yeah. It's like if I went on her phone and she was like, she was on about some boy's cock or something like that, I'd be like, <laughs> all right, hey, son. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because of course your partner's going to personalize this back. Yeah. I, I like it, how I you always go back to equality. It goes back to toxic masculinity, all of this, though, doesn't it? Yeah. On some it, level, but I mean. I, I think, like, what we're trying to say in the WhatsApp groups is like we all do sometimes play a character that isn't really us, which mm. is quite but look toxic. Look at main mm. role models growing up: James Bond, yeah, Rambo, <laughs> fucking Rocky, mm. Hulk Hogan. Mm. Like they're not of them's going to be sitting down with their partner, having a cup of tea, talking about their feelings. No, you know, no, and realistically true. speaking, all these characters are hyper male, hyper masculine, um, dominant in women, dominant in other men, mm. and control themselves and all the rest of it. And on some level, men are encouraged to be like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Did and Bond ever get a partner? Did what? Yeah, James Bond, he's, he's James got an alcohol get... problem and he's, he's, just got, he's never happy, is he? Is Man, he's he's just a chronic womanizer. Yeah, yeah, it's like, ah, yeah. oh, but he saves the world, it's grand. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what, so what are we looking forward to? We're going to have like super feelings. Is there going to be like this really nice, cuddly little superhero that then goes around? It's like, <laughs> you have to look at it, flip it, flip it in its head as well. We emotionally disconnect, man. Mm. You know, stop crying, boys, don't cry. You know, man up. The language even that we use is disconnective of emotions. Mm. So with that all going on, men can't be vulnerable. In fact, I think there was a study done where women were asked they rate how they find attractiveness in men or in their partners if a man was to become emotional or vulnerable. Yeah. And it was, I think it might actually have been Brene Brown had mentioned it. And she yes. says that a lot of partners become turned off with overly emotional men, even though a lot of women would say, I would encourage my partner to be emotional. Yeah. On, a, on a, another level, 
mm. that was also playing under that dynamic. So for men, like you look at the suicide rate. Yeah. You know, men are the highest at risk for suicide under the age of 40, especially in the UK. Mm. Um, we all we probably all know somebody in this room that has lost somebody by suicide. Mm. So I think on a, on a cultural level, there needs to be more kind of awareness brought on the men in terms with men in terms of being more open mm. about where they're at without that, that shame element you know yeah. what I mean it's a really interesting point you said that because I when I broke up with my ex she did mention we'd lost we'd lost uh, what was the word that you just Anthemus said attraction. Connection. Oh, attraction so and I had I had noted a, po- a few points that I became a lot more emotional I had a family death and and I started like showing a lot of vulnerability mm. and I could tell that was actually what she did find quite less less mm. attractive. So to that point then, if we're trying to get men to talk up, to talk a bit openly with their partners, what's the solution if, if Brené Brown's, for example, is saying that women actually find this unattractive in well, some that's, cases? Well, it's not gospel. It's not going to be all women either. Yeah. And I mean, that's reflective of where she's at in herself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's not a reflection. You like, we're all going to go through grief. We're mm. all going to have loss. We're all going to have tough, difficult times. So that's going to require us to be vulnerable and to be emotional. And if your partner can't meet that need, that's something that you have to seriously weigh up. Because what are you going to do when something serious does happen? That yeah. you, your partner doesn't have your back. It's but conditional. How do you find that up front then? Because it's like, I would have liked to have known that. Before. Before. Like, you there. You go there with a questionnaire. It's uh. kind of like, <laughs> Like hindsight, like hindsight, like yeah, hindsight is beautiful. I mean, you just kind of have to trust that you you know best. Like you do know best. You yeah, know yeah. if she's for you or if she's. It's just it's not meant to be. Like yeah, I mean, I guess there are signs. We have a, that limbic system, right, where you do pick up on those things. That like if you can even say things, or you know, by being your authentic and true self in date one, two, three, and four, typically you'll find out she's a bit like, ooh, did you just say you cried? Yeah. That's rank. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, I think you just. My, you know, my my very small amount of dating experience has shown me that I can very quickly work out if I'm going to find this person interesting by being my complete self. And actually, I think it's been a deterrent for most girls, but I'll, <laughs> I'll find the right person in the end. I'm I'm very happy. No, I'm, but I was going to ask you this as well about dating because I've been completely put off the whole thing recently because I get to date three and four and I've been fully myself mm. right okay probably got too drunk on the date once and then probably went out I don't know I'm not <laughs> going to give you more examples because I've embarrassed myself but like I, I find I find out really really quickly that I'm not that interested in that person the, the thing I fucking hate is then having to be like this micro breakup situation where you've got to sort of <laughs> stop talking to them or be like, look, this isn't working out. And then they, they message you being like, what do you mean? I, I didn't want a relationship. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What is this? Like, I just want to... Is <laughs> Because it's not... I guess it's on my shoulders as well to be like, I'm not interested anymore. He's kind of getting like, more self-aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my therapy. No, it is me. Okay, maybe it is me. And do you think... Do you have to go into every day being like, I'm not looking for a relationship? Because that's almost like the safety thing. Like, it's almost, it's so also like, not true as well. I, I Technically, I'm not looking for a relationship, but you could find someone that... Oh, I could be compelled, yeah. Yeah. But, but I, then this is it. You have to put yourself out there and just see where it goes. I think you have an idea where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't have up that expectation, then you're kind of like, oh, fuck, I have to like break things off and it's going to be awkward and it's going to be shit. And then you have to let go of the idea where you thought that was going. Yeah, Whereas it's true. I'd just be like, next, on to the next one. You know, <laughs> fuck it. If, that's, if you're just only meeting people for it's uh, pricey that though, connection, man. Or whatever, oh, well, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dating is But it's so going to take an emotional toll as well because yeah. every time you're being vulnerable, you're also opening up a part of yourself with this person. Yeah, and I suppose you've spoke about like spirituality, spirituality and like on an energetic level, not every person's going to be for you. 
Mm. You know what I mean? And that's about you trusting your inner guidance and your gut and your intuition, if you want a better word, mm. and knowing whether or not you have that vibe or connection with that person. Mm. You know, you very you quickly get an estimation of who somebody is after a period of time, especially if you're being yourself. Like, you made a, a comment there, if you were talking about something, they were kind of, oh, it's fucking shit or whatever, and you're kind of like, well, I'm not going to hide that part of myself. Like, mm. I, yeah. I like whatever it is I like. Yes. There's a, there's a few experiences I find with dating, if I'm completely honest, you know how what to say to get if you wanted to get to get to somewhere bed, if you wanted to sleep go to with bed, them. Yeah. You yeah. know exactly how to play out the situation, mm. which is like very dangerous if you are somehow wanting to look for love. So that's why I've kind of distanced from dating is that I know like a boy's typical thing would be like, oh, did you bang her on a date? On the first mm. date, and that's kind of like how you're ingrained. Oh, I need to bang on the first mm. date, which is really wrong. And that's not what. And I'm then if you do, then what, she's not the one. What right? kind of degree aren't them? Is going to be there either? Yeah, yeah exactly. it's going to be nothing. It's just going to yeah. be a tick box, and you're going to get a, a low. You're going to feel, oh, I managed to do that. Great. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell the lads. Yeah. If I slept with someone on the first day, which I think is literally once or twice, I I know for a fact I will not get into a relationship. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like guaranteed. Mm. I'm just going to quickly move on away from dating because I want to ask you a question around relationships. So I, I I know quite a few people and also I was one myself where someone got into a relationship and they were like 16, 17. I got with my ex-girlfriend when I was about 18 mm. and we stayed together for quite a long time. Those are really formative years. Mm. I know loads of other versions of that where they really want to stay together but because they've changed so much and because you have kind of moved on and evolved as people, Great. you really want the relationship to work but for some reason it's not clicking. What would you... And then, you know, in some cases, people then go out and they'll, they'll find whatever they're looking for that, that isn't within their girlfriend and they'll cheat on them. How would you recommend to someone that's maybe having those urges, but they've not acted on them, but they know that they're not being fulfilled within their relationship that might be lasting nine or ten years? It has to be communication again, hey? Okay. It has to be having that conversation with a partner and being open about where the relationship's going. You know, if you're not totally invested in the relationship, you will find a way to sabotage the relationship mm. and you'll do it whether through drink, drugs or sex when you're out. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, again, that falls that need of, I need to be validated on some level. I need to explore some aspect of myself that I feel like I'm missing out on. Mm. And that could be true for women as well. Do you know what I mean? It's not they say like, you could be with somebody from 16 and be totally enamored with them, but that need for you to feel... I don't know, validated being another person could still be driving a lot of your insecurity. Mm. You know what I mean? I think as as relationships, I think when you're in a long-term relationship, I think a lot of us, I know I speak for a lot of people here, are scared to be alone. And I saw Impact, I was listening to Impact Theory last night and loneliness is like, there's some crazy fact that it's equivalent to smoking like 20 cigarettes a it's day. really damaging on the body. Really like, damaging yeah. to the body. And I think like Japan is like one of the highest suicide rates mm, through loneliness, right. people being al alone. And I think that's what people are most scared scared of is after the breakup. Even though they know it's so right and they know that you're not right for each other, is to just genuinely be alone. And it's just such a scary if thing. You, you touched on this earlier. If mm. you have never been alone and you've never really taken that time to really fully get to know yourself and fully process everything that's going on internally, then that idea of being alone becomes terrible. Fine. So yeah. that's if you're in an unhappy relationship or just a bog standard relationship you're settling for, mm. you will do everything in your power to make that work rather than face being in your own. Yeah. And again, to add another kind of spectrum, if it's an abusive relationship, you would still cling to what you know than what you don't know. Mm. You know what I mean? I think it's hard to also really be alone in this world because we're always on and connected. So even I still think there's an element of being alone that I've not done in the sense of like doing more disconnection not being on the phone and just yeah. kind of sitting mm. there with thoughts. And I think that's why sometimes we go to bed and you don't have any your phone, you end up just like having all I these thoughts. I think some mm. of the best ways they kind of deal with that would be meditation. 
mm-hmm. initially because you, you're forced to introspect, you're forced to go inward and allow whatever's there to come up on surface. Mm. And it, like it's not all going to be pleasant, what you're going to be looking at and what you're going to be thinking and feeling. And I think the more time you allow yourself to sit and really get to know yourself and really know what's going on underneath, the more you can heal, the more you mm. can move forward. What forms of meditation do you, have you tried in Africa? Um, well, we done our meditation for them when we were in Dubai, so we done an intensive, like, I think it was 50 hours or 100 hours or something like that, and it was, yeah. well, wow. it was amazing. It was really good. It was like a full week long um, meditation training, but it just totally opened me up in mm. terms of like how I felt. I was sleeping better. I had a better understanding of what my baseline was in terms of, within myself and my emotions. So anything then that would have happened throughout the day, I would have been very consciously aware that something wasn't right. You know, do you know when you're kind of rushing and diving and you're not yeah. fully present, mm-hmm. you just kind of are an autopilot? When you've kind of started with meditation mm-hmm. and you kind of feel grounded, centered, anything then that happens, you're more acutely aware of it. Mm-hmm. And you can also take a step back from it. You're, I think from a mental health perspective as well, if you're somebody that worries with anxiety, or depression, we all have an inner critic, an inner voice that's berating us. Mm-hmm. Um, when you become conscious of that voice and them thoughts, especially with meditation, you can become aware of them quicker. You yeah, catch them, definitely. you can challenge them. You can go, well, no, that's actually bullshit there. Well, yeah. you know, oh, this is such an interesting I mean, yeah. I want to speak you about. You talk about, well, go on. Just so, really quickly, jealousy. Yeah. Um, oh, can I really touch up on something quickly? Go on, yeah, go on, yeah, touch very, on. Very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. You talk about being present and stuff. Yeah. Obviously, I went away on the weekend. Obviously, you also sprung mm. about disconnecting from the mm. social world. Is yeah, yeah. We put our phones away mm. for two days. So we Sunday and Monday, we had no phones completely off, aeroplane mode, whatever, and we were just both so present with each other and the energy was there and the spirit, and I don't think a lot of couples do that because yeah. I see so many couples on nights out or whatever when we go for dinner and stuff and they'll both sit there on their phones mm-hmm. and they'll both literally won't speak to each other for like 20 minutes and it's like, just disconnect from yeah, the fucking world so and just spend time with but each then other. then how do you feel, right, given that example of what mm-hmm. you used, how do you feel within that relationship when both people are fully present? Oh, it's beautiful. like night and day. Yeah, it's, it's like beautiful. Day. And I mean, with phones, it's meant to bring us closer together. It drives us further apart. Mm. You know, we don't actually use a phone to phone people. You know, yeah. everything's social media oriented and now. Like, but I mean, if you look at that within a relationship, if you're showing up fully aware, fully present, it's going to do wonders for how that person feels. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of intimacy as well, if both people are being fully real and fully authentic, I know they're kind of like gimmicky phrases, but if you're being who you are and this person's also being who they are, mm. these are both fully present both of you will grow the relationship will grow provided you're on the same page yeah you know what I mean I love that just yeah so I wanted to use um, inner voice inner critic all that sort of stuff to move and segue into um, jealousy because I think we listen to the voice you know we listen to that kind of thing like where's she going who's she texting what's she doing all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and I've known some brilliant relationships that are going very very well on the on the offset or the outside but I know people are suffering massively because they don't trust their partner even though that person's not really demonstrated that many things to sorry, those many things to make them think like that how would how would you deal with that how would you process those feelings of jealousy um well with jealousy jealousy when i initially think about it usually involves a third party usually involves another person or another love interest or somebody that they feel insecure and intimidated by do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to get jealous of a dog, for example. Mm. Um, so in that kind of case, I have to work within myself, within my own self-esteem and within the trust of the relationship. So on some level, I actually don't trust this person. Mm. If I feel threatened by this third party, it could be a case of I don't trust that person that's 
maybe lurking around in the background or whatever mm. it is, but that is also coming from my own insecurity that I'm projecting outward as well because I am trying to control the situation. I'm trying to anticipate potential hurt and harm and rejection, yeah. humiliation, whatever it is. And I'm trying to do my best to stop that pain. I don't want to experience that. Now, again, I'm also mind reading because I'm assuming that there's something maybe going on that may not be going on. It could be totally innocent. Mm. Now, the other side of the coin is, if I have been hurt in the past, then I become hyper aware, hyper vigilant, and I'll do everything to kind of control the outcome. So I could be consciously monitoring what this person's doing on their phone. Mm. You know, and this is why I was saying about the open phone policy. If you've nothing to hide, don't lock your fucking phone. Yeah. But have that conversation. Be very vulnerable. Be open. Look, I was in a relationship, I got cheated on. The person was on a dating sites, so were on their phone a lot. Maybe they had two phones, whatever it is. And if you start to see those warning signs and honor them, mm. but jealousy in that respect. It, it usually does involve a third person. You what, know, if, what if it is just an irrational thing? What if you're just like, if you know, because I've seen so many of my friends' relationships go um, to shit because they're like, you're, are, you, are you talking to? You're talking to someone? And they're like, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. And then <laughs> sure. they're like, you are. And they they, they do it in the end because they like, might as well. They, they dealt with <laughs> yeah, it. Like, yeah, this can yeah. come back to well, I demand they see, and then you have to look at that point of well, does this person actually have a right, or is this becoming controlling? Mm. you know what I mean because I might be like oh you're nothing but a fucking X, Y and Z and I need to see your phone mm. right. that's emotionally abusive because if there's no indication this person has done anything wrong then why would I treat them that way mm. that's stemming again from my own insecurity there's a guy yeah, there's a chap called Aubrey Marcus who is you know experimental in his diet in his fitness in his mental state he does psychedelic drugs he's now been quite open around how he's embracing an open relationship mm. and he speaks about the stages where it goes from him deciding that he is enough himself to enter an open relationship and it was interesting because when you enter an open relationship it's never that you both find someone at the same time yeah. you, one person is always dating another yep. person and one person isn't and they have to be strong enough in themselves to be like I'm strong enough to not be you know this person and do you know that they have found with studies analyzing open relationships mm. even whether it's uh, two men two women yeah. man and a woman whatever it is that the one thing that the couples agree on within an open relationship it's like oh you can't sleep with Mark you can't what, sorry? You can't sleep with Mark. You can't, can't sleep. Mark's off limits. There'll be one person in particular that they Do you know what I mean? Oh, so, oh, ah. You can be sure <laughs> that will happen. Yeah. Not in every case. But really? There's always a, a limit that be pushed. And okay. it's that fucking need mm. that yeah. well, you're not mm. going to control me. You're not going to tell me no. It's you funny because I, mean? I, I spent some time not dating and thinking, oh, I could do an open relationship. The minute I bumped into somebody that I was like, wow, she's really interested. Fucking hell. If I, no way. If Mark was around the corner, you know, <laughs> fiddling around with this, no, that, that would make me feel really weak. But then again, that's where you're at in yourself. Now, for yeah. that fella that you're describing, maybe he's just at a place where he genuinely doesn't give a fuck. Like he's happy out here. Yeah, yeah. He's at a place where he's prepared to walk away if it doesn't suit him, mm. which, all right, like, whatever. But, I mean, for most people, as you say, there's going to be one person who's going to get their needs met much quicker than the other. Yes. And it, be it becomes about how much are they going to invest into the relationship? Mm. Is it totally no strings attached? Is it totally open? Or is it a case of what if this becomes more serious? Mm. You know, how do you rein that back in then? Yeah. What if one of you has a baby? Like, well, yeah, you never There's so many moving parts then. I mean, again, you can't, I can't speak for anybody or I can't generalize in that respect because it's only the people that's in them situations that can know what's right for them. Yeah. But only, the only reason I brought up that conversation about the, the, the person that's off limits is because studies have shown that has happened. That yeah. Once that comes up, it will happen. Really? Yeah. yeah. It is very true. Total yeah. freedom. Yeah. 
but we always want what we don't think we can have. Sure. Yes, exactly. I want to ask, I, th I, I presume using your Instagram, you do a lot of content which then makes people think, oh, I think I might be in a toxic relationship, and then they get in touch with you. Can I ask, what are the elements of toxic relationships like and, and what is yeah what is a there's a huge kind of spectrum in it like so I mean you've obviously got physically abusive behaviour somebody controlling you maybe pushing showing you threatening you threatening your family threatening your children your animals um, physically manhandling you sorry just quickly I just imagine someone getting your hamster animals. I'm going to fucking break your hamster's leg <laughs> sorry happens, like, are you joking happens, oh, for sure. are you joking I'll bet sure. the RSPCA so say <laughs> say like I'll I'll kick the fuck out of your dog. Oh, oh yeah, so right. and like now as a dog is hard. See, it's you know this is like we can come to a place where we might think relationships are about a crack, but there's very dark aspects of what yeah. goes on, and this is kind of what I've been and do with clients. Like, but I mean, anybody that's physically intimidating you, threatening you, whether it, whether it's with weapons, with violence, whether it's your animals, your child, your family, that intimidation, that's physically abusive, emotionally abusive has such a big spectrum. So that could be controlling you, isolating you, degrading you, making you feel ashamed of who you are, holding mistakes that you've done over your head from the past, trying to embarrass you, belittling your hopes, your dreams, your beliefs, your values, your identity, gaslighting you. So creating a false idea of what your grasp and reality is. Oh, that doesn't happen. What are you talking about? That wasn't how that went. I'm sure even, even Michael thinks you're a fucking dose. You know, he says to me, mm. he thinks you're stupid. Wow. That mightn't even have happened. What's a common example of gaslighting? Gaslighting is where you're attacking the person's grasp and reality of what they had thought had happened mm -hmm. and you're creating this doubt to the point where they feel that they're actually losing the plot. They feel like they're, they're, they have no concept of what actually happened anymore. They don't know who they are without that person telling them. So it could be like, you may have went, like we're having this conversation now, it would be like we get outside and I go to you, oh, I thought you were a complete fucking dickhead on that. Yeah, and okay. that, that's me speaking and there might be no basis for that happening and I'm creating that doubt and if I'm constantly in your ear making you doubt yourself that's going to affect who you, you think you are you're going to hold yourself back why do you think people do that? control mm. it's control because now I need you more because domination. the truth you know wow. and when that goes on untouched right what ends up happening is they create a dependence on the partner so they need the partner then they create isolation they might create drama within the family so say your partner always goes to their mum's house and she's her family and friends around her I'll be like your mother's such a bitch you know she, she's just she's out to get you you know and I'll start creating this false reality of what's happening creating this friction and that'll create more isolation which in turn will create more dependence Man, so your well, friend oh your friend's not but an old slut I don't want you hanging around with her and mm. she's this that and the other and she thinks you're a stupid fucker too Yeah. and I start creating this dynamic and the longer that goes on the more damaging it is and then soon enough the person has no support network yes they have created created a sense of isolation yes. you know they might stop them working and in that environment then when the other ab abusive behaviors happen where they're degrading them making them feel like they're fuck all that they're not worth anything like i might be attacking the person's looks looks i might be comparing them unfairly to other women you know i might just be making them feel like a piece of shit mm -hmm. that would be considered emotionally abusive yeah behavior. 100% there's, there's wow. someone I know that's I won't mention that has been guilty and I picked up on that behaviour as I as after knowing him for a while would would you say that person's then a bad person or is it a reflection of their own insecurities it's totally with them you know you could be a, a fucking 100% person and be blindsided by a toxic individual 1 million percent and you, when you're in it see when you're in that relationship you will not see how wrong and how damaging it is no, until it gets really bad mm -hmm. so 
just on the toxic things, so you've got physical, emotional, gaslighting. I've just written because I like I like that. That's term. a huge. That's quite a big one. I, I, and now I can work. see so many times where that's happened. Is there anything else that that you would well, identify? You have sex, the abusive behavior. Yeah. So obviously, demand and sex, physically intimidating somebody, holding them down. You know, you've obviously rape falls under sexual assault and all that as well. But you've got sex, the coercive behavior. So sexually coercive behavior could be maybe even getting somebody drunk or giving them drugs to try and facilitate sex happening, maybe right. demanding sex, saying that it's your right as this person's partner or your right as their husband to demand sex. Mm. Um, shaming them around that kind of angle is right. considered sexually coercive. Then you would have like financial abuse. Financial abuse is where you take control of maybe the person's income and you maybe stop them from having access to even transport, leaving the house, being able to uh, support themselves yeah. because you're in total control of income. Now you think back to maybe the 50s, 40s, 50s, yeah. 60s, a lot of women married, working men, mm. and then they were dependent on them, they look after them, so they threaten to leave. What the fuck are they going to go? They have no money. Still, yeah, and that, that still happens so much, now. Yeah. But if you think like, if you're going out with someone and they demand access to their bank account and they're taking your wages every month, that doesn't seem like something a, a logical, rational person would do, and it fucking happens. Yeah, so much. These yeah. these sound like really extreme elements of of a toxic relationship. Is there such thing as a a toxic relationship between two people that are actually quite nice? So like, mildly toxic. Well, yeah, you know, you're going to have varying shades of grey within all this. Mm. I'm just dis trying to describe abusive behaviour as a whole. Yeah, yeah. So extreme, and but... you have like financial or not financial, digital abuse as well. Mm. So threatening somebody with maybe leaking intimate photos, all yeah. that kind of mm -hmm. crack. And all. Mm -hmm. That is that happens, like you know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what, what you're describing within a relationship again. If it's all one-way traffic, if the person's constantly putting you down and controlling you and it's always their needs being met, yeah. and if your self-esteem is totally compromised by being with this person and this person's behavior either towards you or how they behave makes you feel poorly on yourself, mm -hmm. then you have to look at it for what it is. And in that instance, that person is a toxic influence in your life. Mm -hmm. So getting away, obviously, uh, do you want to ask another question? No, I was, I was going to talk about, so obviously you find out you're in a toxic relationship, you decide to to break off you've done it you know your friends are supporting you after the breakup what are your points or what would you advise that we take because I know a lot of people struggle with First breakups and foremost cut contact all together one million percent cut all contact any contact with them if you know for sure that this person's a negative toxic influence in your life mm -hmm. do not allow access in any way shape or form okay. because as soon as there's contact there's emotional hooks that come up. They'll start reminiscing about things. They'll start apologizing and promising you the sun, the moon, the stars. If you if this isn't your first rodeo and you've been doing this a hundred mm. times this person, what the fuck is the point in giving them another bit of access to mm. And what can happen in this situation as well is they can maybe start becoming abusive. Again, yeah, making you doubt yourself, you end up craving that validation. You yeah. go back to them. Again, because we cling to the familiar. So when we have that contact, it just makes it very difficult to so. move past it. So when you cut contact and you begin to focus on yourself, it's about not looking back under any circumstances whatsoever.
Well, it's that Even saying, out of sight, out of mind. But the mm-hmm. whole thing with social media, like if you go to the hassle of making a fake account and you've been blocked, yeah. you're triggering yourself by yeah. going and looking. And, you know, when you've got over that fear of being in your own mm-hmm. and recognizing how damaging that was, it's about limiting this person's behavior towards mm-hmm. you. And especially in toxic relationships, if the person can't get at you, or can't get to you physically, they will try and get at you by attacking your character, your personality, your reputation. And what you'll find is when some people come out of a toxic relationship, whether or not there was any degree of truth to the relationship, mm. the other person will fucking totally tarnish their name. Mm. She was cheating on me, she was abusive, she's a bad mother, she was taking drugs, she's whatever. And a lot of that would make you want to bite, mm. for sure. But if you totally fucking starve the troll and don't feed the troll and move on with your life, what power are you giving them? Yeah, sure. showing them that no matter what they do no matter how much they act out and play the victim and I think that's the most hurtful thing for some people coming out of toxic relationships mm-hmm. is when the abusive partner plays the victim you know there's that sense of indignation mm-hmm. you want to feel justified yeah. and righteous so when you take that stance of no contact fuck you see later mm-hmm. and focus on yourself what yeah. power has that person got left True. now obviously if the person's <coughs> coming after you and it's physical then you have to go down the whole court element yeah, with yeah. the police and all but mm-hmm. For most people coming out of a relationship, it's the fear of being judged. It's the fear of what society will say and yes. what their peers will say. See, when you let that go, I go, do you know what? You aren't done this relationship. You aren't me. Yeah. I put myself first. That becomes more liberated and going forward. And what, what about coming out of a normal relationship? Focusing on yourself. I think we all can attend to lose a bit of our identity when we go into a relationship because we have this joint identity of who we are. But I mean, in a healthy relationship, both people should be free to grow as individuals and grow as a couple. So when somebody comes out of a relationship, it's about giving them time to kind of reconnect to who they are within mm. themselves, get to know what they actually mm. want, what they don't want, and start to look at different aspects of themselves that they may be neglected before they went into the relationship. Is there like a step process that you'd have? Like would you have, um, so okay, you, you, you're going to work on yourself, you're going to become more self-aware. Yeah, yeah, all of us go to the gym and that sort of thing. Yeah. What's the kind of... Um, What's the process that you take to... Well, when I'm looking at it, um, I suppose with clients, I suppose with myself too, like I, I use a, a method known as like the mandala, the mandala of the self, and I'll break it down into like eight kind of elements. So I'll look at the physical aspect of the self, the emotional aspect, the nutritional aspect, the spiritual aspect, the contextual aspect, the sensual, the intellectual aspect, and the interactional. So in a lot of ways that creates who we are and where we're directing our energy so physically you mentioned the gym Mm. if we're dominating a lot of our time both in the gym and with our nutrition and that's our main interaction gym home gym home Mm. well then there's a a whole spectrum of things that you're not looking at plus the context that you find yourself in is that environment totally healthy for you at this Mm. point in time going on the gym with a bunch of rough fellas and women and feeling insecure about yourself or not Mm -hmm. good about yourself nutritionally are you being overly strict and overly rigid you looking after yourself in other ways. Um, sensuality, but getting out into nature, connecting with the senses. Have you done something nice for yourself to make you feel a wee bit better, like get a haircut, get dressed up, um, get a massage, whatever it is. Intellectually, have you got a positive direction or a focus going forward? Are you trying to learn something? Are you working on yourself in terms of personal development? And with spirituality, I think a lot of people kind of overlook the spirituality aspect, the mm. things they tend to think of like Christian or the church and mass or whatever it is, but that could be your connection to something bigger than yourself. It yeah. could be something totally holistic. It could be like yoga-oriented, meditation, reggae, anything. But have you denied that part of yourself while you run the relationship? Mm. Um, interactional as well is also a very big part of it. Like, 
I can't attend. They look at the, all the relationships in your support network that you have. So like you could have one friend that's maybe very demanding, very full on, and that might be a microcosm of your previous relationship. Yeah. Might the, the friendship might only work because you give so much. Yeah. And are you drained when you're around this person? Is this who you spend the bulk of your time with? Um, so that's all things that people can look at when they that come That's amazing. Love yeah. it. I just, I just going to reiterate that. So it's physical, emotional, sensual, contextual, Nutritional, intellectual, interactional, and spiritual. On your breakups, or, or on your breakups, and you, Ian, what do you, out of them... Which one do you most time Anyone ever thinks about it's physical, physical straight, straight away. away. I, yeah. I don't think, yeah, do you know what? Work, when I break, work sometimes too, because yeah, it's just work, fucking sorry, true. Sorry, that's, sorry, that's, yeah. that's, um, I guess that's interactional and that's intellectual. Yeah. I definitely didn't, and I think you're right when you said um, most people should, uh, shouldn't overlook this. Spiritual. S- yeah, spiritual and sensual. Sensual, yeah. And emotional They were just kind of like... You don't go like, oh my god, Hannah dumped me. I'm going to go to yoga class. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go meditate. You nutter. What do yeah, you do? Yeah. It is more. It's, I'm going to go to the gym. Again, I'm going to go to the pub. It's that man up culture. <laughs> yeah. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Get on with. Go straight back out onto the scene. Get straight under the gym. And then, is this a case of, well, I need to be seen running around with yeah. multiple women here to make myself feel better, live up this idea of who I am? Yeah. On an emotional level, say you were dumped. Say you were cheated on. You know, if you don't accept and acknowledge that pain and hurt that's going on, yeah. that's going to impact how you feel in yourself and that's subsequently going to impact on your behavior mm. and you're going to carry that into your next relationship anyway. With these eight action points then, with your clients, how do you get them to look at all of them? Do you look at their like two-week schedule, for example, and then make sure they do one of these each? Well, I kind of have a feel for over a course of so many sessions where I have an idea of their primary focus is. So if you think of this as like a big, say a big circle, I, I use the idea of Amanda, but say it's a circle, right? And we've got all these different points and we're all holding rope. The rope's going to be tighter at one end than it is on the other because if we're so focused on physical and we're so focused on uh, intellectual and interactional or contextual, then there's going to be slack in the other elements and ultimately what we're looking for is balance. We right. want balance in all these elements as much as possible. So if I'm only going to work and I'm only going to the gym, and I'm not spending time with other people or in nature, or I'm not mm. catering to me all our needs, mm. then looking at that, I can then ask the client, well, what do you feel like needs to change? Or where would you like to explore next that's maybe going to help you feel a wee bit better about yourself or feel a connection? Oh, so it's not, it's not like, uh, fuck, step, what, what's my sensual? What's yeah. my contextual? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's very much like, nah, no, no man's going to sit down. Like, I always laugh anytime I'm talking about sensuality because, man, what the fuck is he on about? But it's just... <laughs> What are you doing to self-soothe? What are you doing to kind of help yourself feel a yeah. wee bit better? Like it could be as simple as going and getting a shave, getting your hair cut, wearing something you feel confident on. Maybe go for a sauna, a massage, getting out in nature. For women, it could be, and again, probably sounds about gender, whatever, yes, but it yeah. could be like, do you ever hear a haggy, that Danish concept of making your home nice and cosy? Yeah, 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 just yeah. lighting candles, mm. having a bath, whatever it is. I'll but do are you, <laughs> yeah. you know what it's like <laughs> when you're so totally focused on something? Yeah. Like, I'll give you the example with BJJ. I was going to BJJ, coming home, wiped out, work, and then totally neglecting all other aspects of myself. So, like, I've only just started doing self-recce and trying yeah. to get back into a pattern of meditating. But for those three, four weeks, that aspect of my life was just totally focused on that direction i was neglecting a lot of other aspects mm. of myself i wasn't eating enough i wasn't resting enough and if i was working with a client i would be able to see that very quickly because 
I'm not them. I'm yeah. on the outside looking in. I can say, look, have you explored this or have you explored that? It's also not. It's, we're just going to wrap up on in a second, yeah. but it's also important just on that Second point questions. not to beat yourself up about that because I think people are like, oh my god, I've not exercised for like three weeks. I've been so into my work, but I've not been feeling that bad. I feel really energized by it. Yeah. I think it's only at that point where it's like, okay, I better start to take more of a more of an effort. What's well, that it. awareness of what feels right for you too? Yeah, you know what I mean. But then it depends, I suppose, on the environment, isn't that environment impact and on how you feel. Yeah, you know, if you're going to work and you're constantly drained, but your self-esteem is based in your performance at work, then mm. it doesn't matter how bad it's going to get, you're still going to knuckle down and drive forward because you want to be validated in that environment. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's amazing. That firstly, thank you. By the way, it's been so yeah, so been helpful amazing. going through all of that that stuff. It's really exciting. Now, um, Pooch with all of his followers oh. has uh, <laughs> has, just, has put out a thing. <laughs> and, got, no, have got we got one. many questions? No, to, we've got us? one on this page. Okay, no, I mean, got, you managed to get one. Yeah. Well, we've got a question from, Alf, from Alfie Rule One. Thanks, Alfie, for getting I was in touch. Twenty thousand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's asked, "What's the perfect first date?" Oh God! Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be a personal day, huh? Yeah, and, uh, I guess like, so. I'm not quite shit in this question. That sounds really bad, but I mean, I think if you can, I rephrase it. Yeah. What's the perfect way to work out what the person the work there? What is fucking out? <laughs> There's a rephrasing. What's the perfect yeah. way to work out what the best date is for somebody? Well. I suppose it, it it comes down to the person, the person's personality, and again the expectation of where you would like to be ta- like where you would like to take someone on a date. What is deemed appropriate and what isn't appropriate? Is it going to be casual? Is it going to be more? We'll get dressed up and we'll go out to a bar, we'll go out for a meal, or we'll go to the cinema. You know what feels right for you, and what if your understanding of this person? Do you feel it would be good to do? Mm. Because again, if you're playing up the idea of how you think you should be, mm, you're not exactly. being yourself again. Well, I think it's a really important question actually because the first date. As I've mentioned, I previously just tried to go like the nicest, swankiest mm. place, which makes me look nice, nice and swanky. Mm. Yeah. Might have a lot of money, which I don't. Mm-hmm. So it is actually very important to like where you choose someone on the first day. It's you. Yeah, it's you. Totally, yeah, totally. Rather than just this really nice upmarket bar. And, and it so could be a sample of something casual, like going for a coffee or whatever. Like, mm. I mean, it doesn't have to be, as you say, with all the bells and whistles dressed up to the teeth and you're having fucking caviar or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, if that's not who you are, you're also setting that impression with this person mm. that this mm. is the standard you're trying to meet. Can I just say, if anyone ever goes to the cinema on a first date, is that not a little bit weird? Well, yeah, you don't you speak. You can't talk. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what'd you do? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to be able to interact. So yeah. again, it just comes down to where you're both going to feel comfortable and okay. what's right. And I mean, I suppose if you are if you kind of know this person and you've just asked them out, you can always float float the question where would you like to go or what would, some people again you were saying about playing the game you know should I be more uh, assertive or commanding or demanding and decide this is where we're going or whatever but there's mm-hmm. non-stop and you're going where would you like to go where would you feel comfortable mm. and then maybe just exploring that yeah. I get a lot of decision paralysis which I think then reflects on me quite early because on because you're trying to control the potential outcome of well, how it could go well mm. a girl would normally be in my experience you, you're the man you should you know, decide, that's that decide where to go. Yeah, but I would love yeah, it if uh, I always. Where would you like to go? And you say, like, "Oh, I'm easy." You know, you it's always the same response, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? It's it's always like, the same. And I mean, it's like all week I'm thinking. Right, then, right. So, what's the worst case scenario? You pick someone and they don't like it. Tough fucking shit. You start like if you go yeah, and true. they don't like it, just be yourself and see yeah. how it goes. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> they did tell you to pick someone. Like, Do you like this, by the way? It's like I wasn't planning. They stand in a graveyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, who was Maggie Roberts then? Yeah. Why is she? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Have we got any other questions? I think or we've got one coming in. Okay. Uh, well, whilst we're waiting for that, then we might as well ask you our <laughs> stock question, which is my favourite one to ask. Um, 
it's the stock question based around uh, having a megaphone. And if you had this megaphone in a room full of 21-year-old people, um, what would you say to those people if you had this room and, uh, and a megaphone to give advice? I think the main thing would be be yourself. As cliched as it sounds, just try to be yourself. Fuck worrying about what other people are going to think about you and do what feels right for you. You know, Allow yourself to be uniquely you. All your weak quirks, all your weak traits, embrace them and own them. Mm. Because if you're worried about other people using them against you, as soon as you own them, you take that power away from them and try and love your life in a way that reflects who you are. You know, if you're running after a career to feel validated and it's not a part of who you are, you're going to be loving somebody else's life. You're not mm. going to be loving your own life. Don't settle for pure shit in relationships because you're afraid to be in your own. Take that time to get to know yourself. And if something doesn't feel right, walk away. You know mm. what I mean? Don't be a doormat for anybody. You know, you shouldn't have to starve, feel starved for affection or attention just because you're in a relationship. You know, it should add to your life. Um, and allow yourself to be vulnerable, I think, is the scariest thing for everybody. And especially for men, you know, there's no shame in having a degree of emotion. Mm. If anything, it makes us strong. And like, I've said this before, if you've ever been around somebody that wears their heart in their sleeves or has their emotions very open, you know, you can't help but warm up to them and connect with them. And I yeah. think when people become vulnerable, especially in relationships, it can allow you to grow in a very positive way. But for like mental health as well, you know, it takes a lot of strength to open up about how you're suffering and what you're doing. And I think for 21-year-olds, don't sweat the fucking small stuff. You're 21. You don't need a mortgage. You don't need fucking 10 wines. You don't need a Lamborghini. Just fucking hmm. enjoy yourself and chill the fuck out. Yeah, I love that. I think that's got to be the best it. answer we've ever had to that uh, question. I'm happy to end that. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. Have we got anything, any no, other questions? No, someone uh, just said, um, like 50 Cent said, show no 50. love. <laughs> <laughs> show show no love, love will get you killed. How did you get 50 Cent? Oh, sorry, show no, right. quoting they 50 said, cent show no love, love will get you killed. Get what's, rich your opinion, what's your opinion on that? But, Wait, yeah. sorry, it was show your love and love show will get you no killed. Show no love, love will get you killed. Well, that is literally the antithesis yeah. of what we've been hey, talking about. Yeah, no, that's that's like, this this we're not going to entertain that. I said it to you before, the person that like is the least invested in the relationship and is the least afraid they walk away holds all the power. Mm. You know, and as long as you recognize your worth, that's not a loss. Because yeah, you exactly. see after as a door, let the door hit you in the way out. Yeah, thanks for the for that one. And um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got all the way without asking a share question. You know, is time a healer? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's time a healer. <laughs> um, well, look, Rory, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you as well. Thank you so much. Um, we'll look forward to bringing this out. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Boom. We forgot one bit. Where can we find more about you? Where can our listeners find so, out? So I'm on plug anything? Instagram as happy underscore whole underscore. Um, I also have a website, happy-whole.com. I have a load of programs. I'm also available for one-day-one -one sessions online. Um, and I'm on Facebook as well. Amazing. Cool. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. Over and out. Cheers. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to follow us on our socials, at Dog Days Pod. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you next week. Thank mm -hmm. you.